Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Olga Mecking. Olga is a writer, journalist, and occasional translator. Originally from Poland, she now lives with her German husband in the Netherlands. She has written for the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Atlantic, the Guardian, and the BBC, among many other national and international outlets. Her first traditionally published book, Nixon, Embracing the Dutch Art of Doing Nothing, has been published in the U.S. by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. In the episode, Olga shares who can benefit from Nixon, aka doing nothing, how Nixon can be more approachable than meditation, why doing nothing can actually boost creativity and productivity, and more. Before we get to the interview, though, I have a couple questions for you. The first question is, are you a wine lover like me? If you answered yes, then we could be great friends. But my second question is, do you know what's actually in the wine that you've been drinking? Probably not, because you can't find ingredients or nutrition facts on most wine bottles. Alcohol manufacturers aren't required to post these labels, which is how they can sneak sugar and other additives into their products. Fortunately, one of my favorite companies, Dry Farm Wines, has come to the rescue. Dry Farm Wines, natural wines, are lab-tested to ensure they're sugar-free and also lower in sulfites and alcohol. But that's not all. Every single bottle of Dry Farm Wines is also made from organic grapes, free from all industrial additives, and fermented with 100% wild native yeast. Since I've grown accustomed to drinking natural wines, I've noticed that many of the conventional wines that you find in grocery stores, even the top-rated expensive ones, give me headaches and just make me feel kind of gross. If you've never tried Dry Farm Wines, you're going to be immediately hooked by, first of all, their outstanding products, but also their incredible customer service. To get a bottle of natural wine for a penny, visit dryfarmwines.com slash thehealthinvestment, or just click through the link in the show notes. One more thing, outside of hosting this podcast, you may know, or maybe not, that I work with clients one-on-one and also through my monthly membership to help them lose weight for the last time without dieting. If you've tried to drop those pesky pounds over the years by trying everything under the sun, Beachbody, Weight Watchers, Noom, Keto, Juice Cleanses, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, I would love to connect with you. You can visit thehealthinvestment.com to learn more about my nutrition coaching services, and please don't hesitate to reach out with any questions you may have. All right. It's time to hear from Olga. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. 
If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Olga. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. We were just speaking off air that you are calling in from the Netherlands, and it's quite late at night there. So I really appreciate you being here with us today. No, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Were you, have you always lived there? Uh, no, actually, I'm originally from Poland. And oh. Then I lived, so in, I lived in Poland and in Canada for a while and in Germany, and now I live here in the Netherlands. Oh, okay. Oh, in Canada as well. Got it. Our neighbor up to the north. <laughs> so you never, you've never lived in the United States? No, I've never even been there. So. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Well, now that COVID is kind of wrapping up, hopefully, and the world's opening up a bit more, maybe you'll come over this way sometime. I'd love to. <laughs> I was also mentioning that I went to Amsterdam um, a couple summers ago, and I was ready to just move there. It's amazing. <laughs> I loved it so much. Yeah, really beautiful out there. And yeah. we also, we went to some market and we met this guy selling all these baked goods who used to live in the United States. And then he said he had that same feeling when he went to Amsterdam and just decided to up and move and become a baker and sell at a farmer's market. And I was telling my husband, we should do this. This is what a great idea. <laughs> Even though neither of us bake, but good for that guy for just, you know, seizing that dream of his. Yeah. I was looking, when I was looking up um, your research and your book, I also noticed you do a lot of interviews about raising your children bilingual. Is it bilingual or are they trilingual? Um, they're actually multilingual. So um, because I speak Polish with them and then my husband who's German, he speaks German with them and they live in the Netherlands. So they speak Dutch and they went to a Dutch daycare. Um, wow. And then at school, they're learning English. And my eldest is also learning French. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is so incredible. What a I personally feel like that's such a superpower to be able to speak so many languages, especially, especially for traveling purposes. I feel like you just fit in more when you can speak the native language of any area. Yeah, it does. It does help. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Well, I'd love to know uh, what led you to write your book. How do you? Is it Nixon or how do you say that? Yeah, you'll say Nixon. Nixon. Okay, so you wrote a book called Nixon: Embracing the Dutch Art of Doing Nothing. What led you to become interested in that and to write a book all about that? Yeah, so uh, it's actually a pretty long story, but. Um... A while after I moved to the Netherlands, I started a blog and then that blog sort of moved into like it became a freelance writing career and journalism. And so I started um, looking for stories to sell to, you know, to publications and magazines simply because, you know, I'm not American. I've never been to, do, been to the U.S. 
Um, so what what could I offer them that would be interested interesting to to you know to editors at this publication mm. so that they would publish me? And so I had to come up with those really with those you know unique stories that no one would ever come up with. And one day I just found a Dutch magazine, like a wellness magazine in Dutch, that had mm. an article in it called "Nixon is the New Mindfulness." And there were just so, like, even the title, it was so interesting because, well, I love that the Dutch had one word for doing nothing. Like in English, you would mm -hmm. say, have to say to do nothing or not to do anything, which is really a lot of words. But the Dutch, they just say Nixon, which is so convenient, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the second part was the, it's the, is the new mindfulness. And um I was reading so much. I mean, I wasn't really reading so much, not as much books, but articles about wellness and how we should all be more mindful and how we should always be more something. So would it be, you know, healthier, better, faster, stronger, like in that, like in that song? Yeah. <laughs> like you get the feeling reading those articles that there is something wrong with you and that you have to change it immediately. And I thought, oh, yeah, maybe doing nothing is like an antidote to, to that, to, to say, no, I don't have to do anything. I can just do nothing. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this would be an interesting, um, I, an interesting thing to write about. So I, I read two articles on that. One was a trend, trend story, which was, which I kind of, a little bit tongue-in-cheek called the Dutch trend that's so much better than Hygge, simply because mm. Hygge, you know, the Danish, Danish coziness trend, it was so popular a few years ago, and it was everywhere. <laughs> and I thought, oh, you know, then you have to light candles and buy sweaters, and, <laughs> you know, it's too much work. <laughs> so right. I, I thought doing nothing is so much better than, than that. Um, and it did really well, but then I wrote an article in the New York Times, and that was a, um, a service piece, so that was a how-to article. So, you know, uh, what is Nixon, why is it good for us, and how to do more of it? Mm. So it was like a, like giving an article giving advice on how to do nothing, and that 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 went viral so uh, in in a few days it had like 150,000 shares and that's you know not clicks not um just social media shares so it was mm. it was something something was going on <laughs> and that this article got me the the um interest of a publisher here in the Netherlands and gave me the chance to write this book hmm so in Poland, was there any kind of comparable idea to Nixon or was that really the first time you'd ever, like you said, kind of heard the idea of doing nothing summed up in one word? Um, no, in Poland, we have we have something different. We have something called jakoś to będzie, which means somehow it will be. And it's like, you know, go with the flow or it's, you know, whatever would happen would happen. So just do your thing. Right. So, mm, but it's mm -hmm. it's a very different thing from from Nixon, which is literally doing nothing. Um, Are there any other cultures that have just one word for doing nothing? Um, no, I don't think like not that I know of. Um, huh. So, for example, like in Italy, you have dolce far niente, which means sweet doing nothing or doing sweet nothing. 
but it's still a few words. But then I like maybe maybe cultures maybe the, I mean there is no other language that I know of that has doing nothing as one word. But almost every culture, language, country had something positive to say about taking time off or about um, being a, bit, a little bit lazy or about taking time to rest or about relaxation. Mm -hmm. So in Polish, we would say something like to lie down with your belly up. Mm. <laughs> so th there were so many different expressions um, and they didn't always have to had to do with doing nothing, but they were always they would always have to do some to do with relaxa relaxation or taking time off or not working. So yeah. that, I found that really interesting. Uh, yeah, I find that so interesting. I studied abroad in Spain, and there, you know, the siesta in the afternoon is very popular in many cities, not every city, but I was in the South of Spain. So it was kind of more traditional. And I just remember it was so countercultural for me to think that every afternoon you, after lunch, you just kind of sit, relax, even nap. And it was just very kind of anti-American. I feel like here <laughs> you said the word lazy and I think Nixon has kind of a positive connotation, it seems, in, you know, the Dutch word of Nixon. It's not being lazy, it's doing nothing, and it's more of kind of this intentional mindfulness, like you said. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's like by itself, it's neutral. Like oh, okay, nothing. it's neutral. But you yeah. can say, so sometimes the Dutch would say, Nixon is nix, so that means like doing nothing is good for nothing or something along that, those lines. But you also say lecker Nixon, which means that to, um, you know, to do nothing deliciously, like doing nothing is delicious. Ah, uh, okay. So people do take it kind of both ways there as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think so, because the Dutch see themselves as very productive people as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, on the other hand, so for example, if you, stay up late at work, people will look at you, you know, what you're doing here, go home. Mm. Um, there's this kind of strong sense of normalcy, normalcy in a way. People are told to just be normal, that's already crazy enough. That's a kind of, that saying that means, you know, <laughs> um, just be normal, that's already crazy enough. And it's also about, yeah, you know, we work hard and mm -hmm. when we work, we're pretty, pretty um, productive and efficient. But when we're done with work, we're done with work. Uh, right. Uh, I'm wondering, since you wrote the article for the New York Times that went viral, did, since that publication is read widely in the United States, were there people writing comments and things about how they would be apprehensive to do nothing or that felt like it was lazy? I'm wondering the kind of American reception you got from that. That's a good good question, but, but, but to be honest, as a writer, I've learned not to read the comments. <laughs> good idea, yeah. That's like on social media, sometimes it's best to just not read comments or just ignore. I think uh, that's wise. But, you know, just the, the fact that it was shared around so widely, I think that that was telling me something. Right. right. It seems almost counterintuitive because I'm sure the people who would push back 
or something about this idea are probably the ones who would need it most because, you know, maybe they're initially off put by this idea of doing nothing, but then maybe that's because they're always doing something and they could really use some rest every now and then. Who, who do you find benefits most or is it everyone from this idea of Nixon? Ah, that's a good question. I, w- I want to say everyone, but uh-huh. I also know some people would find it very, very hard to just, you know, to do nothing. And by, you know, nothing, I mean literally nothing. So, um, so for example, when sometimes when people are browsing Facebook, right, mm-hmm. and you'd ask them, well, hey, what are you doing? And they would say, oh, nothing. But they're not doing mm-hmm. nothing. They're browsing Facebook, <laughs> you know, so... Uh, but by Nixon, I mean doing nothing uh, without a purpose. So it's really not reading emails. It's not watching a movie. It's not watching a series on Netflix. It's not browsing Facebook. It's, you know, sitting around and gazing out of the window and watching the clouds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part of the definition is that it's without a purpose because I also think... Um, you know, everything we do has to have some sort of purpose. So, for example, mm-hmm. when we go for a walk, it's because we need to get a certain uh, number of steps in. So, you know, we, we say, I want to I want to get like 10,000 steps today, right? So we go for a walk and we walk. Um, but one, why not just go for a walk because it feels good and it's just so nice to move. And the same way doing nothing, we can do it not because, you know, we, we want to be healthier or calmer or something just do it because it's it can be it can be nice mm-hmm. for yourself did you find it took you some practice to kind of get used to doing um, nothing to be honest I, I used to be really good at it as a kid um, and I would just sort of sit on my couch or my father's favorite armchair and daydream so daydreaming is a lot like Nixon mm-hmm. um, and it would just come easily to, to me. Um, but now, uh, you know, I have three kids and I'm a writer and uh, I take care of the house. My husband, of course, he does too, but still. Um, and of course, now I found it much more difficult. Mm-hmm. So do you kind of carve out time for Nixon? Set aside time to do nothing? Um, you can do that. Like there are... When, when people ask me, you know, what advice would I give for people to do more nothing? So I say, okay, you can set aside time to do nothing and write it down, even write it down in your agenda to know that it's the signal that it's important. Because if, if you're the part of, kind of person who writes down things in their agenda, you write down things that are important, like doctor's appointments or, um, you know, Zoom calls or something. And you know that's important, so you're going to do it. So why not write down Nixon time? So you, you'll know it's important and you're going to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is funny. I mean, again, it seems that to do nothing, to schedule doing nothing. I mean, that's kind of, I guess, messed up in our culture that we have to schedule everything now. Yeah, but well, really, you, yeah. you know, there are people who are really, who just need that, right? Mm-hmm. I think right, right. I'm a big believer in kind of, working with the way with what they way like to meet people where they are so totally. for example if people find Nixon difficult I kind of tell I tell them well okay you can you know try to schedule it or you can try to do it spontaneously but first of all 
you know, look at what you're doing during the day and you might actually find and be very surprised by the fact that you're doing more than the thing that you think you're doing. Right. Yeah, I think that's great to meet people where they're at because you do often have to schedule things that are healthy for you, whether it be time to make a meal for yourself or exercise or something like that. So if it is important to you and it's something you want to try, you know, people schedule time for meditation and mindfulness. Exactly. Um, so I think, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. To schedule it in. Um, what if somebody's listening and they feel like there just aren't enough hours in the day, especially for doing nothing? What do you say to a person who has that yes. issue? So Yeah, that's pretty common. <laughs> yeah. One thing I think I've just said, I kind of look at what you're doing and you must find moments where you switch off. And mm-hmm. often there are, those are moments where you are waiting for something to happen and when you're not taking up your phone and scroll, then you might mm-hmm. actually find yourself doing nothing already. So maybe you're doing it, you know, you've, you've been already doing doing nothing and not know it. <laughs> right. Or just resist maybe picking up the phone for several minutes and just sit there with your thoughts. Yeah. And, and you like know, you it said, watch the clouds. Yeah, yeah. Watch the clouds. It doesn't have to be this huge thing. Like it's not, you know, a yoga class where you have to go get, and which is, you know, yoga, great. Uh, but then you have to get there and you have to spend there an hour or, or two hours or whatever. Right. And then you have to get, get, get back. But so you kind of, it's a large chunk of time that you need for it, but um Nixon doesn't require it it's it's more of an in-between thing that you do maybe you're waiting for something or someone or maybe you're kind of just sitting on the couch and thinking so I do it a lot when I'm reading a book and I encounter a sentence I really like or like it's, it's a very nice sentence really nicely written or I'm reading something and I need to, because it's kind of affected me so deeply that I need a while to think about what I've just read. And then I, and then I put the book away and think on it for a while. And mm-hmm. it kind of turns into Nixon. And I, and what, what generally happens is that people start doing nothing and it kind of blends into other things. Like maybe you start thinking about work or maybe you start thinking about kind of what needs to be done around the house. Um, and then you might start thinking about other things. Um, and that's, all, I think it's all okay. So it doesn't have to be, you know, you, you don't have to beat yourself up for not being able to do nothing for more than a few minutes here or, or there. It's perfectly fine. And in fact, I think that's just how our thoughts work, how our brains work, that they kind of, if, if, if kind of given the chance, you're going to go from one thought to another thought, to a third thought. Um, and I think lots of my best ideas happen this way. So mm-hmm. I, I started kind of was sitting on a couch and suddenly a thought came to me or a memory or something. And I realized, oh, I could write about this. And then I started connecting that thing to other things. Um, and that that's usually the way my best articles happened. Mm-hmm. So what you're describing sounds a lot to me like meditation, which has become very popular, you know, in the last decade or so. Is Would you say Nixon and meditation are the same or very similar? Or how are they different? So... Um, 
In my book, I'm saying Nixon is in meditation simply because I know people, you know, they kind of schedule it, they, they kind of uh, do it for longer stretches of time and they have to, they, they, from what I've read, and, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, um, they kind of prepare their minds and meditation is also about kind of, um, you have to observe your thoughts and kind of not judge them and just watch them fly by. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, for me, this was kind of very, it sounded exhausting. So for me, Nixon was more of a, you're not watching the thoughts, you're just having them and they go and you go. But a friend told me, uh, you know, I don't understand why you're so against meditation. So I do it, for example, when I'm at a cafe and I drink my coffee and I eat my cake. And I watch people and I, you know, think some thoughts and the way she described it, it was exactly like her definition of meditation was exactly like my definition of Nixon. (laughs) So I guess it depends on how you see it, right? (laughs) But yeah, I think that's a really good point because to me, it seems kind of this similar to meditation, but maybe a more approachable meditation. If somebody finds that meditation seems kind of daunting to you have to be maybe in a quiet space and have your eyes closed and try to clear all your thoughts, maybe just like you described, you're sitting in a cafe and instead of scrolling through social media on your phone or answering emails, you're just sitting and sipping your coffee and watching people and letting your brain go wherever and maybe not feeling so stressed that you're not in the silent, quiet space and you are actually having thoughts. Does, does that make any sense or? Yeah, I think, I think it does. And I really, you know, I, I, and in the book, of course, I gave a rather strict definition of Nixon, you know, it has to be doing nothing and without a purpose, but, um, you know, whatever, if, for example, um, I also give kind of tips on how to cheat a little bit. So for example, you can, listen uh, listen to music while you're doing nothing so you get you know your brain gets the impression that you're doing something because you're listening to music <laughs> while actually yeah. doing nothing or people you know sometimes people crouch it or they color or they build stuff out of lego blocks and that's maybe not exactly doing nothing but it can have some of the same benefits and if people find it really really hard to do nothing which is totally fine and normal um, that would be a good thing for them to try. Maybe they'd rather cook or crush it or color or write in their diary or something, right? So they're, mm-hmm. Nixon is a way, it's not the way, I would say. It seems just great to have a break from technology and all of the chores and tasks related to your job. And even if it is just coloring, like you said, to just give yourself space to, I guess doing nothing for us now kind of just feels like we're not doing the things that we're obligated to do or we're not on our phones, maybe. So doing things that aren't obligations or technology related, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Do, I mean, I guess too, does anybody ever describe it as being awkward at first? Or if you're sitting at a cafe, for example, and you don't have your phone in hand, do you ever find that, that it felt awkward for you or if people said that? Mm, I I don't, but yeah, people say sometimes doing nothing is really, it feels really 
like itchy a bit, like they don't yeah. want to themselves. And, in, and there was an interesting study done. I, I'm not sure about the year, but it kind of showed that people would rather choose to give themselves electric shocks than be alone with their thoughts. Wow. So that's, that was a pretty interesting study. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I could see that because I think even uh, I used to live in New York City and I would go sometimes I'd have time to grab a glass of wine at a bar just by myself before meeting a friend or something. And usually I'd be on my phone, but sometimes I'd try to just sit there and observe what was going on in the restaurant. But it did, I like how you describe it as kind of itchy. It did feel kind of itchy, but I think that's kind of all the more reason to practice it. Itchy doesn't mean bad. It just (laughs) means work on it, you know, get to the point where it's not so itchy and you feel more comfortable with it. Yeah, one one of my experts said something really, uh, that I really, really thought was interesting. He said, um, if we'll, because many people also described feeling guilty when we're, they were doing nothing and they felt they weren't working, they weren't productive, they weren't contributing. And he said, that's because we feel we're not living, like when we're uncomfortable doing nothing, we feel uh, we're not living up to our values because we value hard work, we value productivity, we value doing things. And that's good. That's a good thing, right? Hard work, it's it's important, or at least meaningful, meaningful work. It's important. But then he said, okay, if we if um but if we're doing nothing, we feel we feel we're not working at the moment, which we aren't. But then he said, mm-hmm. Oh, okay, then maybe you could try re- like kind of reframe that and say, Yes, I do value hard work and I do value being productive and I do value providing for my family. But I also value being rested and being calmer and being, um, you know, taking breaks. Mm-hmm. Right. I interviewed a psychologist. She kind of she calls herself a holistic psychologist. Um, but we were talking about stress, and she said one way she helps her patients kind of reduce stress is to just let them feel okay saying no to things, no to different obligations and just allowing space in the first place, you know, to do nothing. Or maybe in her case, she was saying you're reading a book or you're just staying home. You don't always have to be out doing things and doing all the productive things and meeting all the people as we kind of feel pressure to do by society. So just say no to things and don't feel guilty about it and give yourself kind of that space. Yeah, so, you know, FOMO is a big thing. At yeah. <laughs> fear of missing out. But I, I've heard, like, two counter... How do you say that? How like, counter examples to FOMO. And uh-huh. one was JOMO, which is the joy of missing out. Oh, yeah. And the other one was even cooler. It was NOMO, the necessity of missing out. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was really, really cool. I love how different mindset shifts like that can just make something feel less terrible and more awesome, you know, not the <laughs> yeah, fear of missing out, the necessity of missing out. And then that quick little mindset shift just makes you feel great about saying no to that thing. Instead oh, yeah. of you're not feeling great by doing it because you can kind of explain to yourself that you don't have to do that. Or at least right. one, one, one thing the pandemic has done is that, you know, we, we are, we, we all got like, um, forced to stay at home and kind of find different way to different ways to fill our time. Mm-hmm. 
And I think, yeah, because the book my in, in the Netherlands, um, my book came out March last year, which was exactly oh. when they kind of closed everything down. Right. Wow. <laughs> so that was that was really really interesting, and um, it, it got lots of interest from from the media in the Netherlands, and I was so scared, you know. Oh, oh no, there's a pandemic going going on. Bookstores are closed. No one is going to buy my book. But media was the media was really interested, and um, journalists were telling from you know Dutch newspaper newspapers were telling me, oh, but this is such a timely book, like really necessary at the moment. Right. Perfect timing, yeah. And I think just giving people the solace to know it's okay to do nothing. I know on social media, everybody just started posting all the things they were going to start doing in home, like organizing closets and drawers and learning how to make sourdough bread. Uh, but there was, there were so, so, so many hours in your home with your family that I do find that sometimes you just kind of ended up doing nothing, but it did feel really weird because it was just so what we weren't used to. Yeah, it was, it was totally different. And I guess it depends on, you know, what the rules are where you live. So here in yeah. the Netherlands, compared to some other countries, the rules were never very strict, like the lockdown. Like, of course, shops were closed at the beginning, at least shops and cinemas and everything, uh, except for supermarkets and like essential stores were closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and schools were closed, but... Like we could go for a walk. I, I learned to bicycle, to cycle um, during the pandemic. Like I, I didn't, I, I was never good at it, but now mm. I got myself up, you know, a new bike. And because there's so many cycling routes here, I just take my bike out and I go somewhere. And I don't think I've ever been so active as I am, <laughs> you know, right. since the pandemic started. <laughs> yeah. Trying to find those silver linings of, new skills we learned or new kind of ideas we embraced during the the lockdown, whatever that was for you, wherever you live. Yeah. So you mentioned that when you practice Nixon, you sometimes have your best ideas for articles. Mm-hmm. Do you find for others as well that it can be a great way of kind of sparking ideas or create creativity? Yeah, definitely. So there were, um, was it, I think there was this British psychologist, Sandy Mann, who like she literally put people in um, sensory deprived um, place, like a room where they had no sound, no, you know, they had nothing, no book, no phone, nothing. And the only thing they had to entertain themselves was their own minds. Hmm. So on one hand, you have the study where people give themselves shocks, but on the other hand, you had the study where people had nothing to entertain themselves with. And they would come out, you know, and um, Sandy Mann would later give them creativity tests. And mm. people who kind of spent a few a while in that like room would do better at this creativity test. They they kind of seemed more creative and and better at kind of finding new solutions to problems. And mm. that's I think that's exactly what I'm kind of. Um, like what I've been describing in a way that 
thoughts, they kind of come together and jump into each other and create new thoughts. Right. Do you find that it can also help you? You mentioned the word rest. So possibly giving your body this space to rest free from distraction. Can it also help to kind of boost efficiency when you get back to your job or your home tasks or whatever kind of like your to-do list is? Yeah, definitely. Simply because, you know, we kind of know that our bodies need breaks, right? Uh So we know we can't be active all day long and run, 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 run and do, 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 do. We we kind of know that our bodies cannot, like unless we're really trained or something, our bodies cannot take that. So we need breaks, you know, to rest and to eat and to drink. Um, but we forget that our minds, they need rests too. Like they, they mm. need breaks as well. Um, and like in, like today we have this knowledge economy where people are expected to work with their brains all day long. And that's just not doable. Our brains need breaks too. Um, and so, for example, I notice when I sit at uh, and uh, sitting and writing an article and suddenly I'm starting to write nonsense. Like I, I cannot find word, the right words and nothing I write makes sense and I cannot get my thoughts together. That's what I know that I have to get up and do something else, be it, you know, read a book or eat something or make myself some tea or do nothing. Yes, whenever I take my breaks, take my break because I cannot push through it. It's just going to produce more nonsense. Mm-hmm. I just have to stop and do something else for a while, maybe go for a walk or go for a bicycle ride or something or do nothing. Um, so to give my, my brain a break and give it a chance to kind of find us, you know, to kind of... Um, reset a little bit and and uh, then I can go back to my article and finish it and it's going to be good. Right. Is there ever a life stage or a time when Nixon would not make sense for someone? Yeah. Um, so I wrote about that in my book. So for, um, so for example, um, there's a Dutch psychologist and, and coach um, I, I interviewed for my book. And she said, okay, you know, Nixon is great for people who are busy, but Uh if you're really stressed and really, really, you know, if you're burned out and and cannot, like, you cannot stop working, you're kind of exhausted, but you keep on going. And when you're getting depressed, maybe that wouldn't be a good idea to, Mm. you know, from go from 100% or 200% to zero. She said, Mm -hmm. no, first you have to, you know, get your body to relax a little bit, but you do it in little steps. So maybe you kind of, you don't run everywhere, start walking slowly and you start doing things slowly. And um, as for depression, you know, it's it's different for everyone, I guess. But the woman I interviewed for my book, uh, she got very, very depressed. And she said she kind of forced herself to go out and do stuff and that kind of, helped her Mm. so it's it's, you know everyone's situation is going to it's going to be um very it's going just going to be different but yes there are definitely some situations where doing nothing is it's just not a good idea simply because you're either just high strung out to like you're you're kind of going 300 percent and you're not gonna stop you have to take 
a few steps to to, mm-hmm. to get to a more calmer place or or you're depressed and maybe at this point there you know <laughs> as i say it's it's different for everyone yeah. but it might not be always a good idea yeah no that makes sense you mentioned you have three kids, three kids who speak many languages, yeah. <laughs> still still in awe of that. But do you try to help them embrace this art of doing nothing? Uh, I Mixing. guess it also depends on, on the kid, right? So I have two who are really good at it. And there's one who, who says, no, I can't do nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she, she would read a book or she would... Um, play a game on her computer or something she would kind of she would or she would jump around the room <laughs> she's she's yeah. very athletic so uh she would you know somersault around the room or something she she wouldn't really be doing nothing in in that way as i describe it in the book but you know that's that's fine but i yeah. i do and i do i do try to say things like you know okay you've worked enough because i think Kids today, they have so much to do, so many kind yeah. of obligations. And I'm, I'm trying to say, okay, no, um, you know, you've done enough. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just, right. you know, send it in and you're done. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, that's a good <laughs> attitude. Yeah, I mean, you're, not, you're never going to remember this assignment in 10 years. So it's good <laughs> enough. It's good enough. When your other two kids practice Nixon, what does that look like for them? Just if someone has kids and they're kind of hoping to introduce this idea. Are they going to look like spaced out on the couch or something? Like they're going to not do anything. Um, And sometimes it's nice, but you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like when you have kids and you take care of the the house and you clean and do laundry and cook and and (laughs) do 10,000 things in a minute, and then you see your kid doing nothing with the couch. like, ah. <laughs> you, Get you up and do something. <laughs> you know, some you're like, no, I'm, I have so much to do. And you're here doing nothing. But uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's important for kids too, to, right. to you do nothing. But it's also important for them to kind of help around the house too, right? Right. Find a balance. They might get too good at it where they could just do nothing yeah. all day long. And that's not, that's not good either. No, I find that really interesting because uh, I don't know exactly what it's like there, but here when you're out to dinner with kids, generally, you know, they'll be looking at screens or they have little toys and I don't have kids yet. So no judgment at all. I mean, I understand if you're out to dinner you've got to do what you've got to do, you know, to kind of keep your kids entertained and quiet. (laughs) But there was, we were just at dinner last night with my in-laws at this pretty nice French restaurant. And it was really interesting to me because there was this little girl who was probably three and she was sitting at the table with her parents and she didn't, for a lot of the time, she did have screens and toys for some of the time, but for some of the time she was just kind of zoning out and looking around and just kind of watching what was going on in the restaurant and very sweet and well-behaved. Um, but I was starting to think about when I was talking to you today, I was thinking, oh, I think this little girl is practicing Nixon right now and she doesn't even realize it. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but it was it was kind of cool to just see, you know, a little kid not on a screen the entire time and just zoning out and doing nothing. Yeah, no, it's uh, kids are re- like if, if, if we let them, kids are really, really good at it. And I used to be so uh, good at it as a kid, too. Right. 
zoning out or spacing out and think about, you know, uh, just kind of get lost in your thoughts. But when you're, I think it's also because, um, you know, as kids, you have adults protecting your free time, right? So mm -hmm. you might say, oh, you know, you have to do your homework or you have to help me at home. But very often you, you say, you know, that's okay, I can do it. Or um, you kind of, you kind of, protect your kids free time but when you're an adult yourself no and especially as a woman no one protects your free time right, right. so men protect their own free time and many women protect men free time men's <laughs> free time but no one protects women's free time uh, yeah. so there's this very tricky situation when you're kind of um the when, when women and and studies show that women have like men and women, women work the same amount of more hours, but women do more unpaid work and men do more paid work and mm. men have more leisure time. Mm -hmm. So that's also a matter of, you know, of kind of gender roles. Right. And you also have fewer obligations as a child. You know, you're not the one generally cooking dinner or picking up yeah. after everyone. So it's easier to find time to kind of get lost in your thoughts. I mean, but I do think, yeah, not as easy as, as it used to be because you get right. you, know, you hear stories about other scheduled kids who go from one after school activity to another and then do homework and then go to football, uh, soccer, or you know, whatever, <laughs> and dancing yeah. and Chinese, Mandarin Chinese and violin classes. But I think we still have this kind of, at least here. Um, you know, as a kid, you usually often have some free time. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I'm so grateful for this discussion. It's been so illuminating and I've learned a lot. <laughs> I ask each of my guests a final question, which is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, hmm. <laughs> I have to think about I it. I know, it's, it's a tough sorry. one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one I throw at people and it is a it's a biggie but you can take it however you want no I guess to invest means to kind of you know um provide re not provide what's the word uh locate resources for a certain purpose right uh -huh. so maybe it's kind of about doing things that are just good for your health uh -huh. and being for example you know like me and my cycling or running or you know being moving more or it, it could be um it could be doing nothing and there's also like physical and mental health mm -hmm. and i think it's kind of important to invest in in both right yeah but i it, love yeah i i think it doesn't like what nick said like like i said it doesn't have to be this huge thing mm -hmm. that it's kind of big chunks of your time it can be it usually as i said it's this in between thing that you do kind of that just when you find yourself spacing out or, or daydreaming or something um yeah the takeaway for me was really just not picking up my phone all the time if i have let's say 10 minutes to kill before let's say i get ready early and i have 10 minutes before we're leaving maybe that entire time I don't need to be on my phone. I could just sit in this cozy chair we have near a window and just look out the window. Yeah. So I do have that idea that it can be an in-between. Yeah. And then it helps to kind of have a place for your phone when it's not at your arm's reach. 
so right. because it's, if it's going to be away, um, you're not going to use it as much. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to have a physical distance because before you know it, you'll be scrolling through your phone and you want to yeah, realize. Yeah, it's so tricky. It's so easy. You picked it up. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. But I also just love this conversation. If nobody has thought of this idea, maybe if they've been intimidated by formal meditation, just kind of the permission to do nothing and say no sometimes to social obligations or for their kids even not to feel like they have to plan every second of the day and allow them a couple hours here and there to figure out whatever you know to not do anything and zone out if that's what if that's a skill they have uh but I guess just kind of the permission idea of it um yeah, it's really important. definitely a permission or just yes, this idea. No, actually, you're still a valuable human being, mm. even if you don't work all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're so valuable that you kind of deserve rest, right? Right. So you can even, you know, you can even you can explain yourself, your, this to yourself in a way that says, you know, I value hard work. Okay, mm-hmm. then I value hard work and I like that about myself. But then I'm, I also need to, you know, take breaks so that I can work better. If, if that helps, yeah. do that. Yeah. Right. Any, anything you have to tell yourself to kind of get to that place to let yourself rest. Yeah, I think, you know, meeting people wherever, wherever they are. So, it, you know, yeah. I, I had this feeling from many wellness things that you had to do it either there, you know, the way these books or articles were telling you or you're a failure and mm-hmm. I'm saying, you know, you <laughs> if if you can't do nothing, try maybe two minutes or one minute. If you can't really can't do nothing, try crocheting or coloring or baking. I like baking sometimes when I'm mm-hmm. stressed. You know, it's kind of if it helps, it helps, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Well, where can listeners follow and find you? So yeah, my, my book is available on Amazon um, and it's called Nixon, the Dutch art, embracing the Dutch art of doing nothing. Um, and um, they can find me on Facebook. I run a Facebook group called the Nixon years, <laughs> like oh. most years, but for Nixon. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, so people can find me there. Um, yeah, and I run a Facebook page for my writing um, called Olga Making Writer, Journalist, Translator. Oh, great. Well, I will put links to all of those in the show notes. And I just want to thank you again for being here and sharing all of these awesome ideas with us. <laughs> thank you. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.